Welcome on into the 23rd episode of the Wasatch Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Dieters, and today we'll be continuing our 2019-2020 season preview. Uh, last episode, we covered the Utah Jazz, um, but from here on out, we're going to be covering it in alphabetical order. Um, unless I get a special guest, then I'll go a little bit out of the order to cover that team. Um, that's why I went with the Jazz first. Um, I was able to do that episode with my brother. Um that was a really fun episode to record. Um, I'd love to have future guests. Um, so if you want to hop on with me, let me know. If you have a team that you'd like to talk about, um, you can message me on Instagram at Wasatch Basketball Pod, or you can send me an email at Wasatch Basketball Pod at gmail.com. Um, but for today, we're going to be covering the Philadelphia 76ers. The Philadelphia 76ers last year lost in the conference semifinals to the Toronto Raptors. Um, who eventually went on and won the championship, as we all know. Um, there's a lot of people that think if the 76ers had made their way out of that um, that series with the Raptors, that they would have ended up winning the championship. I'm not so convinced. I think the Bucks were a lot better than them. And I think Giannis would have gone off on, on the 76ers. Um, but this year, the, the 76ers are definitely a... Uh, they're a dangerous team. They're they're going to be right up there in the top five teams in the East, possibly fighting with the Bucks for the number one seed going into the playoffs. Um, but last year they were fifty one and thirty one. Elton Brand, um, former player, used to play for the Clippers, played for the Seventy Sixers for a little while, was a great power forward. Event eventually though he had problems with his knees, had to retire early. Um, but he has taken over as their GM. And he, he's a guy that's not afraid of taking chances. He doesn't play the slow, conservative game with his uh, ads to the team. And as a result of that, so as a result of that, the 76ers were able to put together a really competitive team. Um, early in the season, the uh, 76ers made a trade to pick up Jimmy Butler. They sent Robert Covington and Dario Saric to the 76ers, um, which immediately gave them uh usually second but can sometimes be the first score can sometimes be the first ball handler for them which was huge to take pressure off of Ben Simmons, JJ Redick and uh Joel Embiid. And then right at the trade deadline um Brand made another trade to get Tobias Harris from the Clippers, sent out two first round picks, Landry Shamet um Let's see who else was all involved in that trade. Um, I'm sorry, I should have wrote this down. I, I can't remember who else was involved in this trade, but it, anyway, the 76ers got back Boban Marjanovic and Tobias Harris and Mike Scott in this trade, um, which was huge for them. It gave them a backup center to Joel Embiid. It gave them a guy that at times could be the second scorer or could be the fourth scorer. And Tobias Harris, great uh, floor spacer at the four position. And Mike Scott, it gave them a guy that can come off the bench and can you know hit threes, plays decent defense. So the 76ers were, were aggressive this last year. Um, before the, the offseason really got going, um, they 
gave Brett Brown a, an extension. There's a lot of talks that they are possibly going to fire him after losing to the Raptors. Um, I think they made the right decision in holding on to him. I think he's done a really good job of building this team, and he's, he was there when they were horrible, when they were going through the process. Um, so I think he's earned the right to at least have a few more years to really see where he can take this team. Um, so then we get to the draft. Um, the 76ers take Matisse Thibel out of Washington. Um, personally, I thought it was a little early to take him here. Matisse is a really, really good defender. Um, kind of Tabo Cephalosha, Andre Roberson type player. Really long, really smart defender. Problem is you're not going to get much out of him defensively. So I wouldn't expect to see a ton of him this year with the 76ers, but he can still find his way onto the court. In the second round, they took a guy out of Iowa State named Marial Shayuk, um, or something like that. Um, he's on a two-way deal, so unless there's a lot of injuries, we won't really see him this year. But he's a guy that can play the two or the three that the 76ers would like to take a chance with uh, developing him and see if he can become a rotation player for them. So then we get into free agency. Um, the 76ers have a lot of free agents going into it. Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick are all um, are all free agents. So because of that, they had a lot of cap space. But bringing back any of those guys, they were immediately going to be out of money. So they had to pick their spots and, you know, also still help. You know, with Elton Brand, not be afraid of taking chances because there's no guarantee that any of those guys are coming back. So first thing we hear is that Jimmy Butler actually wants to go to the Heat instead of coming back to the 76ers. They were able to eventually work out a sign-and-trade. Um, they It looked like they had to deal with them, with the 76ers, the Heat, and the Mavericks all set up. And then the Mavericks pulled out just because they were not happy with what they were getting back in the trade. Um, eventually, um, both the Trailblazers and the late, the Clippers uh, stepped up to help complete this trade. And in that trade, the 76ers were able to get back Josh Richardson, who is not going to give them nearly the the, um, the amount of talent that they are losing in Jimmy Butler. Um, he's a good defender. He's a really good ball handler. He can play the one at times. Um, he can play the two or the three also. Um, again, really good defender. Decent shooter. He can keep getting better there. Um, but getting any type of value for Jimmy Butler was huge. And it was the beginning of something that we eventually saw later with the Warriors and the Nets where teams without any cap space are able to make deals through these sign-in trades. Um which is something that's kind of scary for, you know, small market teams. These big market teams like Miami are starting to figure out that they can, they really can get whatever free agent they want as long as they can work out these signed trades now. So, you know, in the next five to 10 years, we may see these big markets take over the, the league again to where it's the Heat and the Knicks in the East, the Lakers in the West, and, you know, it's just those teams that have way more money than everybody else and live in the big market where they can sell financial opportunities. I, I really hope that that's not what this is leading towards, but it kind of scares me because the Heat did not have any cap space. There's no reason 
they should have been able to assign Jimmy Butler, um, but they were able to work out this sign and trade and get him in. Um, but anyway, so the 76ers get Josh, Josh Richardson in this deal. Um, again, a good young player. He was on a good contract that they can, you know, put into their starting lineup right away. He can also run the second unit when Ben Simmons comes off the floor. The 76ers were also able to sign Al Horford. Um, Al, dis- uh, Al surprised a lot of people when he decided not to go back to the Celtics. And we had heard that there was a surprise team out there that was offering like four years, 110 or around there. Um, but nobody knew who it was. A lot of people thought it was the Mavericks or the Kings. Um, come to find out that it was the 76ers. Um, they signed Al Horford to a four-year, $109 million deal. Now, looking at how the NBA runs now is is an interesting deal for them to make um, because the philosophy has been over these last few years to get smaller, to get more wings on the floor, to be able to space the floor really well. And with signing Al Horford, he can help space the floor but they're going to a two-big lineup. I mean, these are two centers that they're going to have on the floor in Embiid and Horford, which, I mean, Embiid is going to miss a lot of games just because he can't stay healthy, so they're going to, you know, sit him, do the whole load management thing. So Horford will start at the five a lot. But there's going to be a lot of games where Horford and Embiid are starting together at the four and the five. And it's going to force teams, when they play the 76ers, to play differently. There's a lot of size on the court. Um, you know, the 76ers, their starting lineup's going to be Embiid, Horford, Harris, Josh Richardson, and Ben Simmons in most cases. And in a light, with a lineup like that, at 6'6", Josh Richardson is the shortest guy on the court by three inches. I mean, that that's going to be the tough team with, or the tough thing with uh, going against the 76er team is how much size they're going to have how much length they're going to have. It's going to be hard to get passes around these guys. And then on the offensive end, they all are skilled, especially if Simmons can start shooting. Um, He's shown in these offseason workouts that he can hit these shots, but he hasn't shown the willingness in games to actually take them. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if he actually tries to space out the floor a little bit this year. Um, Because if he doesn't, it's going to be a lot like the Pistons when they had, um, who was it, Drummond, Greg Monroe, and Josh Smith all on the same team. All three of them were packed around the basket. Well, if Ben Simmons can't shoot very well, it's going to be Horford, Embiid, and, and Simmons all packed right into the paint, and it's going to be really easy to guard them. So Horford's got to be, Horford's got to up his amount of shots from deep, and Bede's got to, uh, actually, I don't know. Embiid's not that great of a three-point shooter, so it's probably better if he just packs the paint. But if everybody else is packing the paint, then yeah, he's got to move out and he's got to hit those threes. And Simmons has got to at, le- at least take 18-footers. I know they're not um, if an efficient shot. He'd be better off taking threes. But he's got to at least be willing to take further than five-foot shots that he's been taking throughout his career, or else... This lineup is not going to work together. Um, so, moving on. So the so they sign Al Horford. 
And then they give Tobias Harris a big five-year, um, just shy of the max extension. Um, now with Horford there, he's gonna have Tobias is gonna have to play the three in most situations. I think he's a lot better at the four because he's more athletic than most fours. He's faster, and which gives him a big advantage over those guys. And with going against threes, he's gonna have a harder. Um, assignment on defense a lot of times and on offense he's not faster than most of those threes so it's going to be it's going to be a tough season for Harris um especially if like I said if they're packing the paint it's going to be him and Richardson on the outside and that'll be really easy to guard that's a lot easier to guard than four or five guys that can space the floor um I mean we saw that last year with the with the Jazz um there were a lot of times where Joe Ingles was the only guy on the court that could shoot, and they would pack the paint against Gobert, Favors, and Rubio, and it made it really hard for Joe Ingles to get shots off. Um, that's why the Jazz pivoted and added more shooting. The 76ers, it looks like, have gone the other way, and I'm afraid for what is going to happen with Harrison Richardson this year. If, if guys aren't willing to space the floor, they're... They're going to be really easy to guard, and it's going to be hard for them to get off wide-open shots. Um, but um, what you get out of Tobias Harris is very is very valuable. In a, in a vacuum, he's a very valuable player. He's very versatile. He can handle the ball. He can be the pick-and-roll man, or he can handle the ball in the pick-and-roll. Um, he He's a really good shooter. He shoots over 40% from three. Pretty good at getting to the basket. Um, doesn't get fouled a lot, but when he does, he makes them. Decent defender, and he's still young enough to where he can still add some skills, and he's not going to decline um, in the middle of this contract. He may decline like the last year or two of this, or the last year of this deal, um, but for the most part, he's going to be um, getting better as this contract goes on. So good value signing there for the 76ers. A lot safer than signing Jimmy Butler. I feel like with the Heat, Jimmy Butler, his last year or two, he's going to be very much on the decline. And so they're going to need to find um, some other guys coming up to replace his uh, productivity out there. Um, so, yeah, so um, quick recap on this. So 76ers signed Matisse Thibel, or draft Matisse Thibel. They lose Jimmy Butler to the Heat, get Josh Richardson back in that signing trade. They sign Al Horford, who's going to be their starting four. Every now and then we'll start at the five. And anytime Embiid is off the floor, he'll be the five most of the time. Um, and they bring Tobias Harris back on a five-year max deal. Or near max. Um, so after that, the 76ers bring back Mike Scott um, on a one-year minimum deal. Um, Mike Scott's not going to do anything amazing for you, but he's going to give... He's going to give you good effort. He's a decent defender. He can hit the three at times. Not a great stretch four, um, but for the amount of minutes he's going to play, which will be uh, 12 to 16-ish, um, not a not a bad value signing for them. They brought Furkan Korkmaz back. Um, again, not a great player, but he's going to play very little minutes. He can help you off the bench here and there. Um, 
So just a, you know, a roster filling signing there. Um, a signing that they did after that, that I, I really like. I, um, this is one of my favorite signings by anybody through the whole off season. And maybe I'm a little higher on this guy than most people, but the 76ers brought Shake Milton in on a four year deal. Um, not much higher than a max deal or a minimum deal, my bad. And, you know, Shake is a guy that can play the one, the two, or the three. He's a good ball handler. He's a decent defender. He's really good three point shooter. Um, still very young, and I think he can become a guy for the 76ers that, you know, good value and can help them help them grow. Um, because other than Ben Simmons, the only guys that they have at the point guard position are barely over six foot. So it's nice to have an option like Milton that can come off at six foot six that can help run the offense and keep that length, that size on teams. Um, because you don't really want to pull Simmons out and pull Embiid out, and then the other team can flip the script and they get the size advantage on you. Um, I think it would be better for the 76ers to always try and have the height advantage on these teams that they're going against. Um, a little later in free agency, the 76ers brought in Trey Burke. Um, again, as I, as I was saying... A little over six feet tall, which is a huge change from the 6'10 Simmons at the point guard position. Um, but Trey has, has made himself a very valuable player off the bench over these last few years. When he's with the Jazz, they tried to make him a star, and he's just not that level of player. But he can be a guy that comes in, gives you 10 to 16 minutes a game, can hit the three, can good ball handler, tries hard on defense. I mean... When he's going against second and third units, he's okay. But you don't want this guy guarding, you know, your Russell Westbrooks, your Steph Currys, um, Mike Conley's, guys like that. You want him guarding, you know, these second, third um, string guys. You want him guarding guys like Corey Joseph and Jeremy Lin and um, Raymond Felton and guys like that, Dennis Schroeder. Um, so a, a decent signing for the 76ers. Again, he's on a minimum deal, very low risk. Um, but you know, you're not going to get a ton out of him. But one of the problems this last year for the 76ers was their depth. They did not have a very good bench. And I think they did a really good job of, of, um, uh, addressing that. I was going to say attack, but addressing that, um, and one of the next signings I want to talk about, this one happened a little earlier in free agency, but they brought in Kylo Quinn um, to play backup center. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see how they use Kyle. Um, he's a really good backup center, but like I said, they have Embiid and they have Horford, and I feel like most of the time when Embiid is off the floor, they'll just slide Horford over to the five and then just mix and match those two's minutes. They'll start together, they'll finish together, but other than that, I think they'll kind of bounce off of each other. So Kylo Quinn, I don't know how much how many minutes he's going to get. He'll get a few at least in each game. And when Embiid rests, I mean, he'll get those minutes um, on the games that he takes off for load management. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because there will be games where Kylo Quinn will get, you know, 25, 30 minutes. But then there will also be games where he may not even get in the game. 
Um, but he's a good guy to have off your bench. He's really a tough guy. He's a fighter. He's a pit bull. Um, really good at scoring around the basket. Decent defender. Um, so it's a good signing for this 76ers. I'm just afraid of, you know, O'Quinn not getting the kind of minutes he wants this year and being really frustrated and becoming a problem, which I think he's got the maturity to not be a big problem in the locker room. But we'll see what happens if he gets to the point where he's only getting five minutes a game. Another signing that the 76ers did to kind of bolster up that uh, backup unit, they brought in, they brought back James Ennis. They had him towards the end of the season. Um, that gives them a guy that really good defender, okay three-point shooter, good length, um, really aggressive, um, good hustler. Um, all the rest of these, these signings for the 76ers were just to kind of fill out the bench and make sure that they're in a better position than they were last year when the starters have to come off the floor. Um, and the last signing that the 76ers made, it wasn't the last one, but it's the last one that I'm going to talk about. The 76ers brought in Howell Neto. Um, he's, with, he's been with the Jazz these last three years. Um, now, Howell Neto, he's not amazing at any one thing. He's only about 6'1". Um, he's not super fast, not super quick, not a good jumper, really. Okay defender. Um, but the one thing that sets Hal Neto apart from most people is the fire that he plays with. He's a guy that can come in off the bench, can provide immediate scoring just because he's going to out-hustle everybody. He'll get steals um, because he's a lot smarter than most of the guys out there. And again, he's out hustling everybody. He's going to be on the floor a lot after loose balls. Um, I would expect him to be the third point guard in the rotation for the 76ers. But he can be a valuable guy for them. Um, he's not going to get a ton of minutes. But when he's in, he'll be, he'll be productive for the 76ers. So I like the signing. I'm really happy that Neto was able to find a job like almost immediately after getting cut by the Jazz. Um, so it'll be, it'll be fun to see him in a new new uniform, and I'm glad that he's still in the NBA. Um, now to talk about what the 76ers lost um, this offseason. They lost some guys that are going to be, that are, are very valuable players um, that could be the difference between them, you know, going out in the conference semis again this year and possibly playing for a championship this year. Um, as I said before, they lost Jimmy Butler. There were times, a lot of times in the playoffs, where Jimmy was the guy on the team. He handled the ball. He got the shots. He guarded the best player on the other team. And losing him was, is huge. Um, now, again, with that huge contract towards the end of it, yeah, he's not going to be worth that anymore at least I don't think so I don't think he's gonna be like LeBron where he stays in his prime till he's like 34 but you are losing a very valuable player in Butler and they're gonna have to find a way to replace that they're gonna have to find a guy that when Simmons and Embiid are getting shut down they can step up and take over the game um, I think Shake Milton could possibly be that guy in a few years 
but he's I don't think he's going to be that guy this year. Maybe Josh Richardson, but I don't know if Josh Richardson has enough experience in those big moments to be the guy. Um, I mean, Butler was a lot like uh, Joe Johnson was for the Jazz a few years ago, where going against the Clippers in the playoffs, Hayward got shut down, and Joe Johnson, who hadn't really done much throughout the whole season, took over that series. Um, and I just don't see that guy on the 76ers that when Simmons and when Embiid get shut down, who's going to create the offense? Um, so that's one of the questions that they're going to have to answer as the season goes on. Another huge piece that they lost, J.J. Redick went to the New Orleans Pelicans. Great, absolutely amazing signing for the Pelicans. But with the 76ers losing him, First off, you're losing one of the best shooters the NBA has ever seen. J.J. Redick had one of his best seasons of his entire career last year. Averaged 18 points a game. And he often gets forgotten because of the big names of Simmons, Embiid, Butler, and Harris. But Redick was as much a part of that their uh, success as those other four guys were. Um, so losing him is going to be huge. Now, Josh Richardson's a good shooter. But I don't think, I actually, I know he can't shoot at the same level J.J. can. And he's not going to bring the same type of stuff to the locker room that J.J. did. Now, that's not to say that, that's not to put anything against Josh Richardson. Richardson's a good player. It's just trying to replace the impact that a guy like J.J. Redick brings to your team, is it's really tough. Um, he's a really talented player, an extremely smart player. That um, it'll be interesting to see what the 76ers do throughout this year, trying to replace um, what Reddick brought to the floor. Um, another guy that the 76ers lost this offseason is TJ McConnell. He eventually ended up going to the Pacers. Now, McConnell, he's not, he does not have the same level of production as Butler and Reddick. And in the playoffs, McConnell really struggled. Um, he wasn't that great of an option as a backup point guard. But during the regular season, he was huge to have. He kept the team going. Whenever Simmons came off the floor, he was able to keep the 76ers bench team in the game to where when the starters came back, they didn't lose ground. Um, now, bringing in Trey Burke and Howell Neto can hopefully um, make up for that loss. But both of those guys I don't think are quite as good as McConnell. Um, and I think both Burke and Neto are really going to fight for who's that number two point guard. Along with Shake Milton. Um, so yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if they're able to replace TJ McConnell's production. But, I mean, either of those guys could always surprise us. Um, Neto or Burke and be better than McConnell, especially in the playoffs. McConnell was not good in the playoffs for the 76ers. So if Burke or Neto could be highly productive in the regular season and in the playoffs, then it they you know they didn't lose much by losing McConnell. Lastly, and you know this one, this guy is not a huge producer. But I think he it's going to hurt losing him. Um, Boban Majanovic is now a member of the Mavericks. 
Now, Boban is a guy that plays, you know, he plays that 12 to 16 minute backup center position. He can hit from 15 feet in and, you know, he's got a smooth touch. He's seven foot four. He can block a lot of shots, but he's extremely slow side to side. Um, that's why you're never going to see him as a starting center in the league, or at least a guy that gets, you know, 30 minutes a game. He may start, but he's not going to get over, much over 20 minutes. But the biggest thing is Boban had become really, really good friends with Tobias Harris. They, you know, they're probably best friends. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how Tobias can play this year without a guy that he's been been with for the last few years. I mean, they were together uh, in Detroit. They both got traded together to the Clippers. They both got traded together to the 76ers. Um, so, that, I mean, I know, I know, you know, if you play like a video game of this, all that matters is their talent. Um, chemistry, all that kind of stuff really doesn't matter that much, but in, in the real NBA, in real life, it affects guys, um, losing people that you're close with, um, not being able to see them on a day-to-day basis, it's, it's going to change the way you operate. Um, now I think it'll be better for Tobias that it happened in the off season, not at a trade deadline. But it'll still be interesting to see if this has any lingering effect on how Tobias plays his game. Um, yeah. So, um, again, we'll do a quick recap. So, as I said before, 76ers lost in the conference semis to the Toronto Raptors last year. Elton Brand's the GM. Very aggressive. Last year picked up Butler and Harris. They signed Brett Brown to a big extension. They draft Matisse Thibel in the draft. Great defender. Needs a lot of work on his offense, but an amazing defender. Jimmy Butler decides he wants to sign with the Heat. They do a sign-in trade. 76ers get Josh Richardson back. 76ers assign Al Horford to play the power forward and play the five anytime that Embiid is out. They bring Tobias Harris back on a big five-year near-max deal. They bring Mike Scott in on a one-year min. Bring Furkan Korkmaz on a one-year minimum. Bring Shake Milton back on a four-year close to minimum. They bring Trey Burke in on a one-year minimum. They bring Kylo Quinn in on a one-year minimum. At least I think. I, I'd have to look that up. He may have been one of the guys that got the two, two for ten, that um, room exception deal. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's a one-year minimum for him as well as as well as James Ennis and Helenetto. As I said before, they lost Jimmy Butler. They also lost J.J. Redick, T.J. McConnell, and Boban Marjanovic. Um, overall, I think the 76ers are going to be better in the regular season this year. They only won 51 games last year. I would, I kind of think they're going to be closer to that 55-56 win total this year. But I think they're they're going to struggle. Um, when you get to the playoffs, I don't think they have enough shooting. I think they're going to get, um, people packing the paint on them when we get to the, to the postseason. I think they'll still win their, their first round game in the, in the Eastern conference, just because 
once you get past them, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Pacers, and the Nets, there's not really any great teams below them. And so I think they'll be able to get past whoever else makes it into the playoffs in that first round. But I think they're going to have trouble again once you get into the second round. I think, you know, once they meet up with the Celtics, the Bucks, the Pacers, the Nets, or whoever, I think they're going to have a lot of, of a struggle. And so my prediction for the 76ers is next year in the 2019-2020 campaign is they're either going to lose in the Eastern Conference semis or they're going to get beat in the Eastern Conference finals. I don't see them making it to the finals. I don't think they have enough shooting. But they have tons of talent and they could easily prove me wrong. And Elton Brand is, is a guy that's not going to Hold back, and if he sees the opportunity to make his team better through trade, he'll do it. Um, but I'm gonna say Eastern Conference Finals for this team. But I could see them easily surprising me. Um, if you think that their season can go any different, let me know. Again, you can reach me at Wasatch Basketball Pod on Instagram, or email me at Wasatch Basketball Pod at gmail.com. Um, but with that, we'll go ahead and end this episode. Bye. All right, so for today, I would like to promote another podcast. Um, it also happens to be a radio show um, that they just turned into a podcast. But that would be the Dave Rams, yeah, Dave Ramsey Show. Um, it's not a basketball or anything like that podcast. This is a financial podcast. Um, and if you're not aware of it, Dave Ramsey's um, a guy that he likes to give common sense financial advice. It's get out of debt. It's invest long term, um, but he he's also very entertaining. He takes a lot of calls. He hears a lot of different situations from these people, and so if you're in a situation where you want direction financially, if you want to try and get out of debt, I would look into Dave Ramsey. He also has a ton of books that I would look into. Um, I am currently you know trying to go through his plan, get myself paid out of debt, and. You know, he's a great resource to have. So again, that's the Dave Ramsey Show. I would check it out on podcasts, or if you can find it in your local radio, check it out there. Yeah.